nothing like hearing the church sing. Love that. Absolutely love it. If you have a Bible or a Bible app on your phone, join me in the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Big thanks to Jason and the band and leading us this morning. And the guys in the back as well, Bill and uh, DJ, for helping us out this morning. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Father, we humbly come before you this morning with your truth in front of us. And I just ask that your spirit would do what your spirit does, and that is point us to your son, Jesus. And I pray that as we reflect upon this very familiar story, that um, truth from it this morning would pierce our hearts in a new way, cause us to see you in a fresh way, and change us into the likeness of this Jesus whom you've sent to us. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. Is God for you? Is God for you? Is Jesus for you? Is he for your spouse? Is he for your kids, if you have kids? Is Jesus for the boss who just maybe let you go? Is Jesus for the guy at the corner, and he'll be there today, holding up the cardboard sign at the Bengals game? Is he, is he for that guy? Is he for the single mom? Is he for the single girl or guy who would have loved to have been married by now? Is he for the single guy or girl who maybe got dumped this weekend? Is he for the unwed mom? Or for the girl who's considering abortion? Is he for the girl who's had an abortion? Or is he for the guy picketing the abortion clinic? Is he for the 35-year-old son divorced with two twin boys living in his parents' basement? Is he for the homeschool mom? Is he for the mom who gets up and heads off to work every day? Is he for the college student barely making the grade? Is he for the dad who's working three jobs during the week just so he can provide for his family? Is he for the dad who doesn't have a job? Is he for the gas attendant at Speedway or Thornton's? Is he for the Syrian refugee? Is he for my Muslim neighbors, Basil and Iman, who I saw yesterday raking their leaves? Is he for them? Is he for their two little kids, Noor and Ahmed? Is he for them? Is he for that person who just continually spouts venom on Facebook? Is he for the person that's addicted to Fox News? Is Jesus for these people? Is he for you? 
Is he for me? I mean, we live in a culture where people don't believe Jesus is for them. They don't believe God is for them. Is he? How do you know? How do you know if Jesus is for them? How do you know if Jesus is for you? 2,000 years ago, an angel was sent from the presence of heaven, the presence of God, and he was sent to some shepherds on a hillside in Bethlehem, and this angel was carrying a birth announcement. And the birth announcement reveals the answer to that question, is Jesus for us? Is Jesus for you? And if you're wondering if people are, or if Jesus is for you, or you know of people that are thinking, I don't think God's for me, all you need to do is point them to that hillside 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem. Because it's there, just one of the many evidences, it's there where God reveals to us that He is for us. He's for us. This morning we're going to continue our study in the Gospel of Luke, and we're circling back around to the very beginning of how Luke begins his Gospel. And if you're new to this study, new to this Gospel of Luke, and you understand that Luke is an author, is the author, he's a doctor, he's about details, and he's writing this specifically to a friend of his name, Theophilus. And he's writing with a specific purpose so that Theophilus can know with certainty who this Jesus is. And he records that in verse 4 of chapter 1. Luke says, listen, I'm writing this so that you can have absolute certainty on who this Jesus is. And I believe here in Luke chapter 2, as he records for us this, this birth of Jesus, he answers for Theophilus and answers for us today that question, is Jesus for us? And I think he's saying, Theophilus, if you want to know this Jesus, if, if you want to know this Jesus, you need to know this, you need to know that this Jesus is for you. He's for you. Now, if I could wrap up today's truth into one statement, I would say this. I would say this way. Jesus shows he's for you by becoming like you so that he could save you. Jesus shows he's for you by becoming like you so that he could save you. And we see that all in just verse 11 of chapter 2 in this birth announcement to the shepherds. So some lessons about Jesus this morning, and we'll get there in a moment. But our family, one of the things that we have adopted in our family as a communication of love is some hand signals. And I didn't make this up. I heard some father talking about this, and I'm like, dude, that is awesome. We're going to do this. Because there are times when maybe you can see your family or see a family member, but verbally you can't communicate because of people or distance or whatever. And so what we do in our family sometimes, and, and my kids will know this, if I hold up the number three, and I think I maybe shared this with you in the past, if, if I hold up the number three, that means what? It means I love you. All right, so maybe if I'm, you know, when they were at, at the school, when they would I'd drop them off to school or whatever, and we couldn't say anything, we'd hold up three fingers, and that would meant I would do that to them, or they would do that to me if I'm leaving on a trip or whatever. I'd hold up three fingers, and that, they would simply automatically know what that meant. I love you. And then they would usually go four, and that means I love you too. And then we went to five, where now we're like going crazy with it. I love you very much. And then we would go like this. Right? And just be like, I love you, infinity, right? It was just one of those things. It's just hand signals that we do as a family. Andrea recently went down to Virginia. She had an aunt who passed away, and, you know, she's leaving, and some of three, four, I mean, all these different things back and forth. I want to introduce to us a new sign, all right? Because it's here in Luke chapter 2, verse 11, and it's the sign for you. 
The first lesson we see about Jesus here in this birth announcement is that Jesus is for you. So it's for, there's a couple ways you could do it. I was thinking about it this week. You do for you, all right, for you, all right, rocker thing, for you. Or you can do like for you, or you could do that. So, all right, so if you're seeing somebody, church family, friends, or whatever, and you just want them to remind them that Jesus is for you, you just go for you, all right, for you, or you're just going to do for you. All right, just something that I'm thinking we're going to do that as a family, and as my kids are out, whatever. I, would, I not only want them to know that I love them, but I want them to know that Jesus is for them. Jesus is for them. And we see that here in the angel's announcement to the shepherds. He says, Jesus is for you. Look at verse 11. He says, for unto you. Now, the New Testament was written in the original language, Greek. And the phrasing or, or the placement of the words is a little bit different than our English translation. And, but, and I love how it's phrased. It, it's literally phrased this way. For on this day, for you, a Savior. I love that. For on this day, for you, for you. Jesus is for you. And he's announcing that to some shepherds. And can you imagine the shepherds going, what are you talking about for us? Right? And in verse 10, he says, for all the people. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For on this day, for you is born a Savior. Jesus is for you. Luke demonstrates this and records this and heightens this even more in Luke chapter 15 when he describes Jesus as like a shepherd who's lost a sheep and he goes for the sheep. Also in Luke 15, Luke records and and Jesus is is sharing this parable and he says, really, it's like a woman who has ten coins and she's lost one coin and she's looking for that coin. She goes after the coin. She's for the coin. And then we have the prodigal son, and it's really about the father, not the son. The father, the son comes home, and the father goes for the son. Jesus is for you. God is for you. He's for you. The first coming of Christ, Christmas, is a reminder that Jesus is for you. He's for us. Well, what kind of people is Jesus for? All I need to know is a little bit of Jesus' earthly family tree to get a glimpse of who Jesus is for. Matthew records for us that Rahab is in Jesus' earthly family line, a prostitute. So Jesus is for the woman that's enslaved in human trafficking. She's, he, he's for her. How about David, King David? Good guy, did a lot of great things, cheated on his wife, right? Cheated on her. And then who he cheated on her with was his top employee's wife, Uriah. Jesus is for even the adulterer? Some other people that aren't in his family line, but Jesus is for, how about Mary? The single girl. Life turned upside down with this announcement. He's, she, she faithfully loves Jesus, serves Jesus. Jesus is for her. These shepherds are hardworking, blue-collar, third shift. Man, they're killing it with work, and they're just doing a great job, and... Jesus is for them. He brings the news to them. How about Saul? Persecutor of Christians. Jesus is for him. 
In fact, in Luke 4.18, Jesus said this, I've been sent to proclaim the good news for the poor, the brokenhearted, the captives, the blind, the oppressed. The angel announces to the shepherds, for on this day, for you, for you. Now, with that being said, we need to understand something. Being for someone does not mean you must agree or approve of their choices, their choices of sin. Doesn't mean you never confront sin. If you're really for someone, you will help expose their greatest problem, which is their sin. And you do that with grace, seasoned with grace and truth. You see, Jesus was for people, and he was so for them that he helped them see their greatest need, which was for him. And he did it by helping them see that their greatest need was for him, and they needed to see that because they were full of sin. So we need to understand that being for someone is not saying that you always have to agree with their lifestyle, their choices, or their sin. In fact, the angel's announcement to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, the angel says this to Joseph. He says, you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He's saying sin is the problem. Not people, sin is the problem. And so Jesus shows that he's for us by telling us that our problem is sin, and He's the solution from it. And Jesus shows us you can be for someone and yet still disagree with them. And if you're really for someone, you're going to tell them what's harming them, even when that person may not even see it for themselves. It's truly being for someone. And so here we have the angels announcing to the shepherds, Jesus is for you. He's for you. He is, get it right, He's for you, right? So how did the shepherds know this? Let me back up. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that Jesus is for you? If you have kids, do your kids know that Jesus is for them? That he's for them? How about the people you work with? Do they think that Jesus is for them? How about your neighbors? Well, how did the shepherds know that Jesus was for them? How did they know? Someone told them. An angel brings good news. Now that word brings good news, we get our word evangelism from it. This angel witnesses to these shepherds. These these guys are hearing that Jesus is for them. Someone is going to them, God from the presence of God, an angel in this case, is going and bringing good news, is witnessing to these guys on this hillside. Listen, people you work with, people who you live next to, my neighbors, your neighbors, people on the street, they need to know that Jesus is for them. How will they hear someone like you telling them? Someone like you and me showing them? Are you for people? What would your neighbors say if I went up to them and said, hey, you know, that your neighbors next door, I know they the Christian people. By looking at their lives, would you believe that Jesus is for you or for them? How about by your Facebook posts? Would people see that your Jesus is for them? Would people say that your living community is for them? Listen, I want to challenge everyone here this morning, this week, some way, in, in some form, let someone know that Jesus is for them. Doesn't mean you'll have to agree with them, but would you in some way let them know that Jesus is for them? The angel announces to the shepherds, Jesus is for you. Well, how? How do we know that Jesus is for us? 
Well, I think the angel continues to show us. He says, for you on this day is born. All right, is born. Jesus shows that he's for us by becoming like us. Now, let's, we've heard this story so many times. We've been inoculated with the Christmas story, inoculated with the gospel. That, so for many of us, we hear this, it's it just in and out. It's just in and out. And it, we need to understand who this Jesus is that's being born. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 says, For in him, referring to Jesus, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So in Genesis, when it says, and God spoke, who's doing the speaking? The word who became flesh. So Jesus is the creator. He's there with the Father and the Spirit. And He's there and He's being used. He's the God who is speaking creation into existence. This is Him. This is the second person of the Trinity. This is the, the one who spoke and everything came into, into being. This is the one who was there with Adam and Eve. He's the one experiencing perfect fellowship with the Father and the Spirit. And this is the one who's in Mary's womb. Crazy. Crazy. This is God becoming fully man. Colossians says this, Jesus, or Paul says this, Colossians 2 verse 9. He says, For in him Christ, the whole fullness of deity, dwells bodily. Paul said this in Philippians. He said, Christ Jesus, who though was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. Here in in Luke chapter 2, with the arrival of Jesus being born, you have deity taking on the form of humanity. Theological word here, hypostatic union. That's what's going on. You have God becoming man. Listen, if you were to take all that God is, everything about God, and you were to wrap him up in skin, you know who he'd look like? He'd look just like Jesus. Because that's who Jesus is. That's who, and this Jesus, this God takes on humanity. Jesus being born speaks of his humanity. He had a birthday just like you. He had a body just like you. Jesus cried just like you. He went to school just like you. He grew just like you. He has earthly parents just like you. He had friends. He was tempted just like you. Just, and, he, and he felt alone just like us. And he laughed just like us. And we need him to be man, fully man, so that he can be our substitute for us. So he can take our place for us. But we also need him to be fully God because broken can't fix broken. We need something that, and someone that's perfect that can be in our place and give us the righteousness we need to be in the presence of God forever. That's why we need him to be man. That's why we need him to be fully God. And I believe Luke's saying to Theophilus, listen, this Jesus I'm writing to you about, he, he, he's for you and he's for you and he became like you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that because he's like you, he gets you, he understands you? Do your kids know that? Do your friends know that? Do your workmates know that? Do you? Well, how did the shepherds know that Jesus was like them? Yes, the angels told them. The angels told them, right? But what did the shepherds go do? They went and saw him. They went and saw him. They went and saw this baby. 
You know, baby crying. They went and saw him wrapped in the manger, right? I mean, lying there in the manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. They saw him. And you say, well, Mark, no, Jesus isn't physically here anymore. How are people going to know that Jesus is like them? We can't physically see Jesus. Hold on. Hold on. Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. There's this thing called the body of Christ. It's us. It's the church. And Jesus, in his grace, has given us the beautiful privilege to show him to the nations. We are the church. If you're here as a follower of Jesus Christ, you've surrendered your heart to him, you're part of this family, this body of Christ. And so you, your living community, how we serve, how we love, how we give, how we listen, how we confront sin, and how we pray and alongside one another all reveals Christ to a watching world because we are the body of Christ. This is why it's so important for us as a church that you're involved with the living community because it's through that living community as you're with your brothers and sisters in Christ as the body of Christ and as you go serve together, as you serve together, as we serve corporately as a church, people are seeing Christ. Just like the shepherds went and saw Christ when we're serving and together as the church, people are seeing Christ through us. We are the body of Christ. That's why it's critical that you're sharing life with a living community. It's one of the principles, the practices of, a, of our living communities that you share life together so that you can share mission together. Because as we do that, we're pointing people to the Savior who has come. Jesus is for you and he showed it by becoming like you. Why? Why? Continues. Verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now listen. If you've grown up in church and you've been around church, you're going to hear these words. And, and I, just, I just pray that they, they don't just go in one and come out the other. And you're just like, okay, I've heard this so many times. Listen, if the gospel, if we ever lose what the gospel is all about... And that just becomes old news to us. Shame on us. If we need something different to hear every week than the gospel, shame on us. Because until you and I are moved by the gospel, we will not move out with it. We will not move out with it. And the angel announces Jesus came to save he came to save, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And Savior means a deliverer. If Jesus is a Savior and He came for us, then that must mean you and I and our friends need saving. And most, we know, most of us know this. But He says, what do we need to be saved from? Again, the angel's announcement to Joseph. He says this, you will call His name Jesus. Why? For He's going to save His people from their sins. Listen, the name Jesus not only reflects his character, it reflects his mission. It reflects not only who he is, he's a savior, but it announces what he does. He saves, he rescues. And the angel's announcement to the shepherds not only reveals that Jesus is a savior, but it also announces to the shepherds are sinners. They're sinners in need of saving. And, angels, and the angel's quoting a portion of Isaiah's prophecy here back in 9.6 of Isaiah. And the whole message, for unto you is born this day, that was originally given by God through Isaiah to his people, to people that were rebellious. They were under God's judgment. 
They're about to experience God's judgment. And he's saying, listen, for you, I'm sending you a redeemer. I'm sending you a rescuer. So that ultimately, through Jesus, we do not have to experience God's judgment and his wrath for our sins. Do you believe that you're a sinner? I know you believe if you're married. I know you know your spouse is. Okay? I know you believe that they're a sinner. I know you know that. And I definitely know if you have kids, you obviously know they're sinners. And they know you're a sinner too, mom, dad. They do. You're a sinner. They're a sinner. We're all sinners. Well, you don't have to tell your kid how, how to be bad. They naturally get that. All right? Why? Because they're sinners. But, and I know we believe our roommates are sinners. Our boss is a sinner. Your loud neighbors next door who won't turn down the music, they're sinners. But do you believe that you are? Listen, we now live in a culture, this could sting. We now live in a culture where a child's disobedience to his or her parents is a disorder rather than sin. Or a man's addiction to porn is an escape rather than adultery. Or a wife talking bad about her husband behind his back is venting rather than gossip. In case we've forgotten, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it is this sin that you have, that I have, that separates us from our God, that we need to be rescued from. And it's the same sin that you and I have, that my neighbors have, that that Jesus is for And they need to see that Jesus is for them and they need to see that Jesus is for them and they're going to see that he's for them through me and through me and my way that I serve them and love on them and through that I can reveal to them through the Spirit and through the truth of God's Word that their greatest need is Jesus because they're sinners in need of Him. Just like me. My biggest problem, my biggest problem is me. My sin. Mine. And Jesus knew this. That's why He came. He was sent by the Father to to save. He was made like us to save us. Hebrews says this, Since the children have flesh and blood, He too shared in their humanity. Why? So that by His death, He might break the power of Him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. That should just... Oh, it's so amazing what Jesus did. That he came, that he took on human flesh so that you could be free from the power of Satan and the power of sin and ultimately one day from the presence of sin and be in the presence of Jesus, this one who saved you forever. Amazing. Listen, Jesus shows he's for you. He said this in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. He, referring to himself, he said, For the Son of Man came, came to seek and to save those who are lost. Listen, Jesus showed that he's for you by becoming like you so that he could save you when you didn't even want to be saved. You didn't even know you needed it. And he came anyway. He came anyway. Christmas should always lead us to the cross because that's why he came. Always. Do you believe that Jesus came to save you? Listen, if you don't believe you need saving, then you're not a Christian. If you don't believe you're a sinner, you're not a Christian. You're not a Jesus follower. You're not. Because Jesus is a Savior. That's why He came. And I wonder if filled within our churches, every Sunday there's a bunch of people who, who, who don't really think they need saving. They really don't think they need Jesus. 
But whether you think you need saving or not didn't change the fact that Jesus came anyway. He knows that we do. And you know what that's called? That's called grace. That's called love. That's running into the street to rescue you when you didn't see the car of sin coming at you. He came for you. He was made like you so he could save you even when you didn't think you need saving. Listen, Jesus is for you because he came to be like you so that he could save you and rescue you from that which condemns you, which is your sin and mine. And listen, if you're here and you've never received Christ and been set free from that sin that condemns you, the Bible says, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Know that he's was your perfect sacrifice on the cross and didn't just stay dead. He came back alive so that you could be alive with him too and make you, he can make you new. And right now in this moment where you sit, if you're here and not a follower of Christ, I don't care if you've grown up in church all your life or you're here for the first time, doesn't matter. If you're here and you need Jesus, right now where you sit, call out to him and he will come and he will save you, the Bible says. And if you're here and a Christian, please never ever lose sight of the beauty and the grace of the gospel. Ever. You're saved. Listen, if you're here and a follower of Jesus, you're saved. You're free. You have the righteousness of Christ in you. I mean, that's how he sees. When God looks at you, he sees his son, Jesus. That's crazy. That's you if you're a follower. That should just be like joy unspeakable and full of glory. Dude, let's go. Let's rock. I don't care what's going on. Jesus, call me anywhere. I'll go anywhere. I got you. got your spirit. You've rescued me. You came to be like me. Let's roll. I, I want to go like, be like the angel. Go bring some good news. I want to tell some people that Jesus is for them. Yes, they're sinners. That's why he came for them. Then he came for them to be like them so that he could take their place and, and so that he could save them. Let's, that's Christmas. The angel announces to the shepherds, Jesus came to save you. I'm going to ask the band to come. And Luke says to his friend Theophilus, Theophilus, you, you want to know something about this Jesus? Listen, know this. Jesus is for you. And he's for whoever the them is in your life. He's for them. He's not for their sin. And he's not for yours. That's why he came to save you. But he's for you. And he showed it by becoming like you. So that he could save you. As they play, here's what I want us to do. With the people you prayed with at the beginning, I want you to take just a couple minutes. And I want you to discuss this question. What's Jesus saying to you this morning? As it relates to Jesus being for you, becoming like you so that he could save you. What's Jesus saying to you? Maybe in regards to the for you. What's he saying to you this morning? Would you do that just... If you need to move around, just talk amongst each other. What's Jesus saying to you this morning in response to for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord? Just take a minute or two. What's he saying to you this morning?